Supreme Court Rulings. Jehovah's Witnesses. Since the 1940s, the Jehovah's Witnesses have often invoked the First Amendment's freedom of religion clauses to protect their ability to engage in the proselytizing, or preaching, that is central to their faith. This series of litigation has helped to define civil liberties case law in the United States and Canada. In the United States of America and several other countries, the legal struggles of the Jehovah's Witnesses have yielded some of the most important judicial decisions regarding freedom of religion, press and speech. In the United States, many Supreme Court cases involving Jehovah's Witnesses are now landmark decisions of First Amendment law. Of the 72 cases involving the Jehovah's Witnesses that have been brought before the U.S. Supreme Court, the Court has ruled in favor of them 47 times. Even the cases that the Jehovah's Witnesses lost helped the U.S. to more clearly define the limits of First Amendment rights. Former Supreme Court Justice Harlan Stone jokingly suggested the Jehovah's Witnesses ought to have an endowment in view of the aid which they give in solving the legal problems of civil liberties. Like it or not, observed American author and editor Irving Dilliard, Jehovah's Witnesses have done more to help preserve our freedoms than any other religious group. Professor C.S. Braden wrote, they have performed a signal service to democracy by their fight to preserve their civil rights, for in their struggle they have done much to secure those rights for every minority group in America. The cases that the witnesses were involved in formed the bedrock of First Amendment protections for all citizens, said Paul Polidoro, a lawyer who argued the Watchtower Society's case before the Supreme Court in February 2002. These cases were a good vehicle for the courts to address the protections that were to be accorded free speech, the free press and free exercise of religion. In addition, the cases marked the emergence of individual rights as an issue within the U.S. court system. Before the Jehovah's Witnesses brought several dozen cases before the U.S. Supreme Court during the 1930s and 1940s, the court had handled few cases contesting laws that restricted freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Until then, the First Amendment had only been applied to Congress and the federal government. However, the cases brought before the court by the Jehovah's Witnesses allowed the court to consider a range of issues, mandatory flag salute, sedition, free speech, literature distribution and military draft law. These cases proved to be pivotal moments in the formation of constitutional law. Jehovah's Witnesses' court victories have strengthened rights including the protection of religious conduct from federal and state interference, the right to abstain from patriotic rituals and military service and the right to engage in public discourse. During the World War II era, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of Jehovah's Witnesses in several landmark cases that helped pave the way for the modern civil rights movement. In all, Jehovah's Witnesses brought 23 separate First Amendment actions before the U.S. Supreme Court between 1938 and 1946. Lemon Test The Supreme Court has consistently held fast to the rule of strict separation of church and state when matters of prayer are involved. In Engel v. Vitale, 1962, the court ruled that government-imposed non-denominational prayer in public school was unconstitutional. In Lee v. Weissman, 1992, the court ruled prayer established by a school principal at a middle school graduation was also unconstitutional, and in Santa Fe Independent School District v. Doe, 2000, it ruled that school officials may not directly impose student-led prayer during high school football games nor establish an official student election process for the purpose of indirectly establishing such prayer. The distinction between force of government and individual liberty is the cornerstone of such cases. Each case restricts acts by the government designed to establish prayer while explicitly or implicitly affirming students' individual freedom to pray. The court has therefore tried to determine a way to deal with church-slash-state questions. In Lemon v. Kurtzman, 1971, the court created a three-part test for laws dealing with religious establishment. This determined that a law was constitutional if it 1. Had a secular purpose. 2. Neither advanced nor inhibited religion.
3. Did not foster an excessive government entanglement with religion. Some examples of where inhibiting religion has been struck down. In Widmer v. Vincent, 1981, the court ruled that a Missouri law prohibiting religious groups from using state university grounds and buildings for religious worship was unconstitutional. As a result, Congress decided in 1984 that this should apply to secondary and primary schools as well, passing the Equal Access Act, which prevents public schools from discriminating against students based on religious, political, philosophical or other content of the speech at such meetings. In Board of Education of Westside Community Schools v. Mergens, 1990, the court upheld this law when it ruled that a school board's refusal to allow a Christian Bible club to meet in a public high school classroom violated the act. In Good News Club v. Milford Central School, 2001, the court ruled that religious groups must be allowed to use public schools after hours if the same access is granted to other community groups. In Rosenberger v. Rector and Visitors of the University of Virginia, 1995, the Supreme Court found that the University of Virginia was unconstitutionally withholding funds from a religious student magazine. Masterpiece Cake Shop. Klein v. Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries is similar. In June 2019, the Supreme Court vacated a ruling by the Oregon Appeals Court, requiring that court to rehear the case in the light of the Masterpiece Cake Shop v. Colorado Civil Rights Commission decision in 2018. State Constitutions and Laws. Under the Doctrine of Incorporation, the First Amendment has been made applicable to the states. Therefore, the states must guarantee the freedom of religion in the same way the federal government must. Many states have freedom of religion established in their constitution, though the exact legal consequences of this right vary for historical and cultural reasons. Most states interpret freedom of religion as including the freedom of long-established religious communities to remain intact and not be destroyed. By extension, Democracies interpret freedom of religion as the right of each individual to freely choose to convert from one religion to another, mix religions, or abandon religion altogether. Public offices and the military. The Trump administration focused on religious liberty as a vital subject of the presidency. For example, one division on the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services was devoted to a conscience and religious freedom. Judges who have ruled in favor of people seeking religious exemptions to laws were supported by the president. According to Udine, author of When Islam is Not a Religion, during election campaign Trump pointed to the closure of mosques. Udine said that unfortunately, an increasingly common talking point among many people in the White House and in that sort of larger network is that Islam is not a religion. It is a dangerous political ideology. And therefore, Muslims don't have religious freedom rights. Religious tests. The affirmation or denial of specific religious beliefs had, in the past, been made into qualifications for public office. However, the United States Constitution states that the inauguration of a president may include an affirmation of the faithful execution of his duties rather than an oath to that effect. This provision was included in order to respect the religious prerogatives of the Quakers, a Protestant Christian denomination that declines the swearing of oaths. The U.S. Constitution also provides that no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification of any office or public trust under the United States. Several states have language included in their constitutions that require state officeholders to have particular religious beliefs. These include Arkansas, Maryland, Massachusetts, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas. Some of these beliefs, or oaths, were historically required of jurors and witnesses in court. Even though they are still on the books, these provisions have been rendered unenforceable by U.S. Supreme Court decisions. 
With reference to the use of animals, the U.S. Supreme Court decision in the cases of the Church of the Lukumi Babalu IV City of Hialeah in 1993 upheld the right of Santeria adherents to practice ritual animal sacrifice with Justice Anthony Kennedy stating in the decision, religious beliefs need not be acceptable, logical, consistent or comprehensible to others in order to merit First Amendment protection. Quoted by Justice Kennedy from the opinion by Justice Berger and Thomas V. Review Board of the Indiana Employment Security Division, 1981, likewise in Texas in 2009, issues that related to animal sacrifice and animal rights were taken to the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in the case of Jose Merced, President Templo Yoruba Omo Orisha Texas Incorporated, v. City of Eulis. The court ruled that the free exercise of religion was meritorious and prevailing and that Merced was entitled under the Texas Religious Freedom and Restoration Act, TRIFRA, to an injunction preventing the city of Eulis, Texas from enforcing its ordinances that burdened his religious practices relating to the use of animals. Religious liberty has not prohibited states or the federal government from prohibiting or regulating certain behaviors, for example prostitution, gambling, alcohol and certain drugs, although some libertarians interpret religious freedom to extend to these behaviors. The United States Supreme Court has ruled that a right to privacy or a due process right does prevent the government from prohibiting adult access to birth control, pornography, and from outlawing sodomy between consenting adults and early trimester abortions. In practice committees questioning nominees for public office sometimes ask detailed questions about their religious beliefs. The political reason for this may be to expose the nominee to public ridicule for holding a religious belief contrary to the majority of the population. This practice has drawn ire from some for violating the No Religious Test Clause. States Some state constitutions in the U.S. require belief in God or a supreme being as a prerequisite for holding public office or being a witness in court. This applies to Arkansas, Maryland, Mississippi, North Carolina, where the requirement was challenged and overturned in Voswinkel v. Hunt, 1979, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas, debatably. A unanimous 1961 U.S. Supreme Court decision in Torcaso v. Watkins held that the First and Fourteenth Amendments to the federal Constitution override these state requirements, so they are not enforced. Oath of Public Office The No Religious Test Clause of the U.S. Constitution states that no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. Although it has become tradition for U.S. presidents to end their presidential oath with So Help Me God, this is not required by the Constitution. The same applies to the Vice President, the House of Representatives, the Senate, the members of the Cabinet, and all other civil and military officers and federal employees, who can either make an affirmation or take an oath ending with So Help Me God. Military. After reports in August 2010 that soldiers who refused to attend a Christian band's concert at a Virginia military base were essentially punished by being banished to their barracks and told to clean them up, an Army spokesman said that an investigation was underway and if something like that were to have happened, it would be contrary to Army policy religious holidays and work. Problems sometimes arise in the workplace concerning religious observance when a private employer discharges an employee for failure to report to work on what the employee considers a holy day or a day of rest. In the United States, the view that has generally prevailed is that firing for any cause in general renders a former employee ineligible for unemployment compensation, but that this is no longer the case if the cause is religious in nature, especially an employee's unwillingness to work during Jewish Shabbat, Christian Sabbath, Hindu Diwali, or Muslim Jumu'ah. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, 
and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.